God's providence. That's what we've been studying as we're traveling through the Old Testament book of Esther. Welcome to Through the Bible. Today, as we conclude this remarkable journey, Dr. J. Vernon McGee ends with an important challenge for each of us, and he'll also, finally, tell us who he thinks is the author. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you to grab your copy of God's Word and hop aboard the Bible bus, and while you do that, let's listen to an introduction by Dr. McGee. It was Gallup who made a survey, and from that, why this statement has been made. The nation trusts in God, but doesn't read the Bible. And he found that Americans overwhelmingly believe in God. Almost every home in the United States has at least one Bible, but it is rarely read. And this survey results, they indicate that religious programs are more likely to draw people to church or to synagogue rather than keep them away. Now, that's the Gallup report. And we've attempted to gear our program in to help the local church because they need help, and many of them want that help. And then the report goes on to say that biblical illiteracy was found to be widespread. Americans revere the Bible, but they do not read it. Now, that's really our problem, ignorance of the Word of God. The Word of God today, friends, is working. Why don't we use it? In this hour in which we live, the Word of God is needed. And then again, I turn to India, where a revival is going on. And it's a revival of the Word of God, if you please. Will you listen to this? Recently, I have received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Please help me. I don't have a Bible. I would be grateful to you if you could send me one. I hear names like St. Paul, Peter, John, Luke, and Mark. Who are these people? I want to know more about them. A cry coming today out yonder from those who want to know the Word of God and may God cause us to hear today that we might be used of him to get the word of God out. And then will you listen to just one more letter that's a cry from out there. It says, I do not know how to accept Jesus and what to do after that. Besides, there's no Christian around here, no church nearby. To accept Christianity is not as easy as I may wish, can one become a Christian and live later? Don't you think that my study will be disturbed if I take such a decision? Kindly suggest something. I want your advice. I'm unable to make a decision. Will you partner with us as Through the Bible shares God's Word in your community and in more than 200 languages worldwide? You know, as a member of our world prayer team, you'll have a front row seat as God reaches his people with his word. One team member named Eva put it this way. Thanks for inviting me to join in this great commission. I read an email about Nepal and was amazed at how closely it resembled my own thoughts. After praying for people in other countries for so long, I now view them as my family in Christ. 
The World Prayer Team has changed my thinking in so many ways, Eva goes on. I watch TV documentaries about different countries and their exotic religions, and it isn't unusual for me to start praying that the Lord would send them His Word. I remember seeing one about a lone shepherdess in the vast plains of Mongolia. When the journalist asked her about her religion, she said she didn't know of any God and that she counted only on her own resources. That broke my heart. I noticed that she had a portable radio with her. I pray she hears God's word on that radio. I also pray that your ministry continues to be fruitful. And then here's what Bill has to say about his experience on the World Prayer Team. We have listened to Through the Bible for a long time. I finally got around to signing up for the World Prayer Team. I sure wish I had done it sooner. I love starting my morning praying for all those around the world. Thank you for your amazing ministry. Our last note comes from Diane. She's in Washington. Thank you, Steve, for all the work you do for TTB. I support the ministry, hold a seat on the Bible bus, and am on the prayer team as well. You and Greg both know that those who work in actually walking out Matthew 28, 19, and 20 will never in this world receive glory, commendations, or praise, nor shall we care for those things. As much or as little as we are able to do, the Lord takes the work that we do and blesses it and us in innumerable ways. I love messages from the elderly, disabled, and sick, the small, the lost, and hurting, who may think that being on the prayer team is such a small thing. It is no small thing. It is a great privilege and responsibility, and I am grateful to receive their testimonies. Okay, so now, are you ready to join Diane, Eva, Bill, myself, and thousands of others as we travel the world on our knees? Together, we're going to ask God to reach his whole world with his whole word, and we'll meet some terrific brothers and sisters in Christ along the way. It's a great journey. Why don't you sign up? You can do it by going to ttb.org forward slash pray. Again, that's ttb.org forward slash pray. Now let's do that. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that reaches into the darkness and brings us to light. We pray, Lord, today that many more will hear it and be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's our study of Esther 9 and 10 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now we come here to the last study in the book of Esther. Last time, we saw that God, by his providence, had so overruled that when a decree went out for his people to be exterminated, that God was overruling and was moving a girl and her stepfather by his providence. They were out of his will, but he was moving because he's going to accomplish his purpose. And standeth God in the shadows, keeping watch over his own. So when that moment came, God had her on the throne so she could step in at that time. And there was no man to stand in the gap. Well, there wasn't a man here to stand in the gap, but there was a woman, Queen Esther. Thank God for her. And she doesn't look very good the way she's presented at the beginning. And when I say good, I don't mean that she wasn't beautiful because she was She won the first great world beauty contest. She was Miss Universe back when they didn't have a Miss Universe. She becomes queen of one of the great world kingdoms, in fact, the second great world kingdom. And so this girl is there at the proper time, and Mordecai was right. Who knows but what she'd come to the kingdom for such a time as this, and she had. Why? Because of God's providence. God was overruling 
And now a decree went out that these people can believe the king. And when they believed the king, why, there was salvation for them. And Queen Esther was the one that had the scepter of grace extended to her. We have a wonderful Savior today. And today the throne of God is not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. God doesn't want to hurt you. He's got his arms outstretched to a lost world. And God is not wanting to hit anybody over the head. God is saying, come. But you'll have to come my way. You'll have to believe me. There's no salvation apart from that. But suppose some Israelite said, well, I don't believe that decree that's come out from the king. I don't think he could be that good. I don't think that he'd do that. I'm going to protect myself. And I'm just going to make me a little Maginot line, and I'll hide back of it, and I'll make me a fortress, and I'll defend myself. And my friend, it was death for him, because he should have believed the decree that came out. And the decrees come out from God. And that decree that's come out from God today is, "...believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And there's none other name under heaven given among men." whereby we must be saved. This is the decree that's come out today from a wonderful God, and it's come out actually to a lost world. And what a wonderful decree it is. Now, will you notice they had to have faith in this new message. And fact today is this new message that's come out from God. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that men and women are saved by faith and not by the works of the law. And to as many as would receive him, to them gave he the right to become the sons of God, even to those that don't do any more nor less than just believe on him. Be it known unto you, Peter says, that through this man is preached remission of sins. Now, that was the message that's come out to us today. Now, the fact of the matter is that these people, if they didn't believe it, there was no hope for them at all. Now, today, you may break some bad habits. You may forsake evil. You may go to church. You may be baptized. You can take part in the Lord's Supper, and you can still be miserable. The only way in the world, friends is to come to the message that is God's Word and believe it. And when you believe it, there's salvation. Now, these people, they had joy, we were told. Why? They just believed that message that had come out. And so what takes place is this wonderful time of deliverance. Now, this is the setting up of this great feast that is known as the Feast of Purim. We know very little about it, to tell the truth. It's not mentioned in the New Testament at all. Actually, there's no reference to it at all. And it is a feast that the Jews celebrate today. They attach as much importance to it as they do the Passover. They today recognize that this speaks of a great deliverance for them. And a feast day was instituted for them. It's called the Feast of Purim. And it comes from the Persian word pur, which means lot. And as the Scripture says in Proverbs 16, the lot is cast into the lap 
but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. You see, it was on this day when the lot was cast that these people were delivered. Was that by chance? Oh, no. That was by the providence of God, God overruling. And now, I'm not going to read a great deal of the detail that is here. Let me begin reading at verse 1 of chapter 9 of Esther. Now in the twelfth month, that is the month Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near to be put in execution in the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, though it was turned to the contrary, that the Jews had rule over them that hated them. The Jews gathered themselves together in their cities throughout all the provinces of the king, Ahasuerus, to lay hand on such as sought their harm, and no man could withstand them, for the fear of them fell upon all people. Now, actually, the statement was made by Herodotus that after Ahasuerus returned from his campaign against Greece, that his wife at that time, her name was Amestria, and she was a cruel, vindictive queen. Now, Amestra, of course, is Esther. And you can understand how the world outside, or at least the Greeks, got the impression that she was a cruel, vindictive queen because of the fact that she stepped in now and has been able to save her people and got rid of Haman and all the others that were the enemies at that particular time. And I suppose that a great many folk felt that the court that tried the henchmen of Hitler and that many of them, as you know, were put for life in a concentration camp as they had treated the Jews. And at that time, and still today, a great many people think that it's maybe a little brutal and cruel to put these men in prison, that now that they ought to be let out of prison and all that sort of thing. And you can see the word could get around to those that were not in on the know that they were very brutal and cruel to treat these men like that. Well, these men were rascals of the first water, and they probably got exactly what was coming to them. They certainly got justice. Now, that was true in that day, of course, but you can understand how the word got around in that day. Now, at this feast, we are told here, and I will continue to read several verses here and then drop down in this chapter. We're told that the Jews gathered themselves together in their cities throughout all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus to lay hand on such as sought their harm. In other words, they just defended themselves. And no man could withstand them, for the fear of them fell upon all people. And all the princes of the provinces and the deputies and the governors and the officers of the king helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. In other words, the very throne that had condemned them now protects them. And the very throne of God protects us today. And that's what Paul meant in the 8th of Romans when he says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Well, how does God justify? Well, who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. That's one thing. 
Number two, yea, he's risen again. Three, he's even at the right hand of God. Four, he also maketh intercession for us. Now, that's the reason today no one can condemn. Christ died for us. He rose again. He ascended to the right hand of God, and he makes intercession for us today. How wonderful this is. Now, Mordecai was there by the side of the king now, not Haman anymore, who would have put him to death, but one of their own. And today, there's a man in the glory. He knows exactly how you feel. He knows how I feel. And he's there for you and for me today. How wonderful it is to know we've got somebody up there for us. See, things have changed for us sinners. Now, let me read on here. And I read verse 4. Mordecai was great in the king's house. His fame went out through all the provinces. For this man, Mordecai, grew greater and greater. And I have a Savior today. He's despised in this world. In fact, the matter is, they're saying a lot of dirty, blasphemous things about him today. But my friends, he is the man in the glory. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. He is the lily of the valley. He's the one altogether lovely. He's the chiefest among 10,000. And someday's coming. And we ought to get in practice of bending our knees to him and adoring him and praising him. It's very important. He ought to become sweeter every day. There used to be a hymn we'd sing. They don't sing it much anymore. At least I don't hear it. Sweeter as the days go by. <laughs> That's the way it ought to be for you. Do you today rejoice more as a Christian than you did last year or 10 years ago? Oh, I thank God that I'm a happier Christian than I was 10 years ago. How wonderful it is. Now, let me drop down all the way down, friends, to verse 20. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters unto all the Jews who were in all the provinces of the king, Ahasuerus, both near and far. Some folk have written in and asked, who wrote the book of Esther? Well, I said that at the end of the book, we'd get at least a suggestion. Here it is. I think Mordecai wrote the book. Verse 26, Wherefore they call these days Purim, after the name of Pur. Therefore, for all the words of this letter and of that which they had seen concerning this matter, which had come unto them, the Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them, so that it should not fail that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time every year. And they, by the way, have celebrated the Feast of Purim, and that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city, and that these days of Purim should not fall into disuse among the Jews, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. Then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihail, and Mordecai the Jew wrote with all authority to confirm this second letter of Purim. And again, I ask the question, did Mordecai write the book? I think he did. Verse 31 now, to confirm these days of Purim in their times appointed, according as Mordecai the Jew and Esther, the queen had adjoined them, and as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed in the matters 
of the fastings and their lamentations. Drop down now to chapter 10, verse 3, the last verse. For Mordecai the Jew was next unto king Ahasuerus, great among the Jews, and accepted by the multitude of his brethren, seeking the welfare of his people, and speaking peace to all his seed. We have a Savior that's going to bring peace one day to this world. Now, will you notice something here? There are three prayers that they pray at the time of the Feast of Purim. They thank Jehovah that they're counted worthy. The second prayer for preserving their ancestors. And third, that they've lived to enjoy another festival. And we today as Christians say we see in it the providence of God. In the Passover feast, to us there is a spiritual meaning. Christ, our Passover, is offered for us. We have the salvation of God fought us. In the Feast of Purim, we have the keeping power of God, His providence, the sovereignty of God. And Proverbs says in Proverbs 16, verse 33, "...the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord." And he'll keep his nation, Israel. He'll keep his church. And he'll keep the individuals that are his. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come unto God through him. Now, again, I must come back to this. The Christian today only knows of a distant providential oversight. They do not learn to walk with God in close fellowship obeying God's Word. He knows and loves and cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to Him. He wants to lead you, friends, by His eye. You have to be very close to Him. And we need to move in close today. But most of us only know of this distant providence of God, of how he leads way out yonder those that won't be led. How many Christians walking in their own will? Things are going nicely. The sun is shining in the sky. The stones are removed from their pathway, and they just think they can work it out themselves. So they don't look to him. And I could say we don't look to him at a time like that. But then one day, the winds begin to howl. The waves begin to roll. The way seems dark. And then we all of a sudden cry out to him, Lord, save me, I'm perishing. (laughs) Show me the way. And then if we get through that crisis, we say, the Lord led me. My friend, only by his providence did he lead us. We were actually not in the will of God. How many Christians that I'm talking to right now, you're really not in the will of God, are you? We hear so much today about dedication of life and heart. I get so weary of hearing that, come dedicate your life to God. Oh, my friend, I'm not asking you to do that. You can do that right now and get down on your knees and dedicate your heart and life. And then tomorrow you can be entirely out of the will of God. And then you begin to move by the providence of God. Oh, he wants to lead you today. He wants to guide you directly. He'll overrule you. I don't care what you do, 
of where you go, and I don't care who you are. You may be a Hitler, you may be a Stalin, you may be a Judas Iscariot, but he overruled Judas Iscariot. He'll overrule you today, friend. I don't care who you are, but you can know the luxury and the joy of coming to him, and not just in one act, but moment by moment and day by day, seeking the will of God for your life. And you won't have to come down front in some service to do this. You can just begin to walk out from right where you are right now in the will of God. How wonderful it is. What joy it is. He wants to lead you. May the Lord richly bless you, my beloved. What an amazing study. At the risk of sounding exactly like Dr. McGee, each study we complete is my new favorite, and this one is no exception. If you'd like to take more time in this amazing section of God's Word yourself, then visit ttb.org forward slash Esther, where all of these messages are available to access at any time. You'll also find links to our Bible companion for Esther, Dr. McGee's notes and outlines, and other articles and resources to help you get the most out of your time in Esther. Again, that's ttb.org forward slash Esther. If we can help you find it, call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Next time, we begin a great new study in the book of Job. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll be here saving a seat on the Bible bus just for you. Through the Bible is a five-year study of God's entire Word, and together we discover God's purposes in history and our lives, found only when we believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know Him yet?